Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to Nuggets Numbers. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Monday night as I am undergoing my normal recording time. There hasn't been a lot of excess news over the course of the past week or so. So I wanted to get back on track with a segment of The Climb. Talked about Bull Bull today on Denver Stiffs. Uh, You can find that entire article on Denver Stiffs that was posted on Monday. Uh, Really enjoyed writing that one. It's been a lot of fun. We've also been doing a lot of NBA draft coverage, which has been great. And and I think we've done a really good good job of detailing all of the prospects that I think would fit well with the Nuggets that the staff has really picked out as potential targets for Denver from players that are projected to go in the lottery to also guys that they could get in the second round. And there's a wide range there. There's a lot of different pieces that could potentially fall into Denver's hands, and given the way that things have looked, uh, given the way that the, the NBA schedule has looked, I think it's more and more, or at least increasingly more likely, that they use their draft pick on November 18th. Um, again, if today is November 2nd, uh, when I'm recording this, it will be November 3rd tomorrow, so the draft is just two weeks away. There's a lot that can happen between now and then, but as it stands right now, I think it's likely that Denver will use their pick, but you never know. So we'll keep you up to date on all of the possible scenarios. Um, But yeah, first segment, we're going to talk about Bull Bull, and second segment, not going to do a third segment today, but second segment, we're going to talk about the logistics of the NBA season and how they pertain to the Nuggets. I think that's going to be pretty interesting, and what we've learned over the course of the past couple days about where the NBA is at. So sit back, relax, and and let's talk about Bull Bull. Okay. It all started 2019 draft night, as it happens with every rookie. Uh, It always starts on draft night some way or another. And the Nuggets had no pick. They had traded that pick in a prior deal that had sent Kenneth Fareed and, and Darrell Arthur to the Brooklyn Nets in a prior move uh, to kind of dump salary. And it was a, I would say it was probably the right move for Denver based off of the draft class, based off of who was drafted around the 27th pick. I mean, let's just quickly run through some of the names that were that were drafted down around 27 uh, in the 2019 draft. So 25 was Nasir Little, 26 was Dylan Windler, uh, 27 was Enfiandu Kabengele, uh, who went to the Clippers. Uh, 28 was Jordan Poole. 29 was Keldon Johnson. And 30 was Kevin Porter Jr. So, weren't a lot of pieces that I, I feel super upset that Denver missed out on. Uh, you could make the argument that somebody like Keldon Johnson or Kevin Porter could be an interesting piece. But the Nuggets had Malik Beasley at the time, so Kevin Porter doesn't make sense. 
Keldon Johnson. They still have Michael Porter Jr. So it's uh, it's at least tough to think about. Um, but there was a prospect who was dropping around that point that they probably didn't expect to drop, and it was Bull Bull. And he continued to drop into the second round, and it wasn't until around the, the 44th pick where Denver ended up taking him via the Miami Heat that his draft fall ultimately stopped. Uh, the Nuggets acquired him for a future 2022 second round pick as well as cash. So never say the Cronkies don't spend on anything. They they spent in order to acquire Bull Bull in, in a situation where they didn't need to. Um, and th- I think that was a good move because it's one of those moves that you, you don't necessarily remember where a guy got drafted until he gets drafted so low that so many people miss out on him and then he pops and then you realize, wow, they only got him at the 44th overall pick. That's insane. Um, It wasn't looking that way until the bubble, though, because the Nuggets signed him to a two-way contract, a two-year two-way contract, spent some time down in the G League, but only played eight games in the G League, uh, barely played throughout the season and was mostly spending it rehabbing from a foot injury that he sustained in Oregon. Um, and it was interesting because when the Nuggets arrived at the bubble, there were very low expectations for him, but he was there and he was practicing. And it was pretty clear that based off of the limited bodies that Denver had and based off of the, the amount of times that they were actually showcasing Bull Bull and practices, that it was possible that he could actually play. Um, and that's exactly what happened because Bull Bull suited up for his first NBA experience in Denver's first bubble scrimmage. And it was in that massively memed game of Denver starting Nikola Jokic at the one, uh, Jeremy Grant at the two, Bull Bull at the three, Paul Millsap at the four, and Mason Plumley at the five. And they basically just kind of went out the Washington Wizards with a, a crazy lineup and just to see how those guys could do, uh, but also because they didn't have anybody else. So Bull Bull's big debut, where he dropped 16 points, 10 rebounds, 5 blocks, had some nice shots, uh, it only really happened because of all of the uh, missing people that the Nuggets had from coronavirus. And so I'm interested to see whether that's a real pivot point for the Nuggets because Michael Malone was able to play him through those three scrimmage games in seven of the eight regular season games in the bubble, and then he didn't play in the playoffs for obvious reasons. He wasn't ready, but he flashed so many tools. He had a lot of signature moments, though most of it was in garbage time and in in games that didn't matter, but he had a a block and a transition pull-up three in his first scrimmage against Washington, He had a full-court pass versus the Lakers, where he basically fired a fastball from one end of the floor to the other. Looked like Nikola Jokic out there. He had the transition bounce pass versus the Heat, where he was kind of threading the needle on the move, and it was a very impressive pass. And then his overall shooting touch and ability to block shots, whether it was at the rim or at the perimeter. Uh, Very rarely do you see a prospect flash all of those tools. And though it was in limited time and he had so many different factors that that limited his play, he still didn't really understand NBA defense. He has a lot of work to continue to do for his body. The tools are there. 
the skills are there, and, and you don't see many players come into the NBA with that level of skill. So it's at least reasonable to think that the Nuggets really lucked out there, that they really found a diamond in the rough by taking a chance on a player who had a major injury concern. And so it could be the next in a long line of those guys because the Nuggets have had a lot of success uh, going after players who have injury concerns. And maybe that's the case. Maybe that's something that they continue to do and and they feel like they have the the ability to do that because of their deep team, because of their rotation, because of their developmental staff and it seems to have really worked out and as a as a potential path for adding more talent. Um but Bull Bull specifically it's it's unclear I think what his role is for the Nuggets going forward because he obviously wasn't in the regular rotation but with Mason Plumley being a free agent, Paul Millsap, Jeremy Grant, Tory Craig there's a lot of roster turnover, potentially. Uh, Noah Vonley is also a free agent, kind of under the radar. Like, he very well could be retained, and he could slide into the backup center role. Or the Nuggets could trust Bull Bull, or the Nuggets could go out and get another free agent, or they could trade for somebody. But overall, there, there's a lot of reason to think that Bull Bull will be in the rotation for the Nuggets next year. Uh, the question is how big of a part he is in the rotation and how many minutes is he capable of playing. Can the Nuggets even trust him to play consistent minutes? The Nuggets are a championship contender, and they have to be able to rely on every member of their rotation. Having too many wild cards, is it will eventually get them burned at some point. Not every wild card is going to hit. It's very possible that Michael Porter regresses a little bit, or he doesn't flash the ultimate scoring potential and rebounding and doesn't get better at defense that the Nuggets need him to be. Or it's very possible that Jamal Murray goes back to just being like a 20-point-per-game scorer as opposed to the 25-point-per-game scorer he was in the bubble. Maybe his efficiency drops. Maybe Nikola Jokic needs a little bit more of a break coming out of a very long season, and an emotional season. Uh, in order for things to be stable, the Nuggets have to count on every single member of the roster next year for a lot of different reasons that we'll talk about in the next segment. But if they believe that Bull could be a part of that group, that if they trust him to play consistent minutes, it's really exciting to think about Denver's rotation. I've projected consistently that they're going to go with a Porter, Grant, Jokic front line in their starting front court. Uh, Jamal Murray will be the point guard. They have to decide what to do with shooting guard, but Porter, Grant, Jokic are the guys. And then Denver has the opportunity to kind of construct a fun second unit. That includes Bull Bull if they so choose. It could be Millsap and Bull Bull by bringing back uh, the veteran and Paul Millsap and maintaining that continuity. I like that fit. It could be Mason Plumley and Bull Bull who... They both have some good passing potential, being as big as they are and good rebounders and uh, having the ability to switch a little bit between the two of them. That might save Bull Bull a little bit. Um, it could be a free agent and Bull Bull. It could even be a draft pick at 22 and Bull Bull. Maybe that makes some sense. That probably makes less sense because you want some experience going into this year, but 
Maybe they don't. Maybe they feel like they can trust Michael Malone to do what he needs to do. Um, right now, it at least appears that Bol Bol has a lot of flexibility, partially because of his skill set, but also partially because we don't really know what his weaknesses are. He's such a mystery box. He's such a an interesting player to evaluate and think about. I don't know what he looks like in the 20-minute-per-game role, or if he's just playing 10 to 15 minutes. Can he handle more than that? Is he more than Boban Marjanovic? Is he closer to a Kristaps Porzingis? Nobody really knows. And he has the talent to be the latter, but so does Boban. He just has a large body and, and the physicality to that doesn't really... Uh, it doesn't really count itself towards being a heavy, regular rotation player against a lot of different teams. And there are going to be situations with Bol Bol next year where if he's on the Nuggets roster, that he could be taken advantage of. Especially like a team that is trying to run pick and roll at him consistently. Can he guard that? Can he continue to wall off the paint while also guarding the perimeter while also preventing open mid-range shots? I don't know. He has to be able to cover everywhere. Um... I tend to think that the best guy next to him is kind of like a a 4-5 hybrid. Somebody who could defend bigs but also rebound and be a hustle guy. Bull Bull does more of the skill stuff. Somebody else is more of the grinder. Um, If the Nuggets don't trust Bull Bull, I would recommend that they trade him this offseason. Because there are pieces that they could acquire that would help round out their rotation, that would help make things easier for the players in the starting unit to then go out and play like a championship contender. There's a lot of pressure on Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic and Michael Porter Jr. and Jeremy Grant and guys like that. A lot of pressure on those guys to really succeed next year. Adding another guy, say Drew Holiday, if he was sitting there, if he were if Bol Bol were the difference between getting Drew Holiday and not, I tend to think that Denver would be wise to make that deal and not keep hold of the mystery box despite how interesting it is. The Nuggets don't have a lot of pieces to offer in a trade, and Bol Bol might be the best piece they're willing to part with because they're not willing to part with MPJ. Teams might not want Monte Morris as a, a shorter backup point guard. P.J. Dozier, he may not have shown enough. Teams may not want Denver's first-round picks because they're projected to be in the late 20s every year. Bobo might be the piece the teams want, that they covet, if they can't have MPJ. So the Nuggets have to have this internal dialogue, have the understanding of what he is, what he can be, and whether the injury concerns are still there. Because... If he is the roadblock between them adding to their roster, I think that's a problem. Unless they really count on him, unless they really believe in him, if they think that he's going to be a big part of the rotation next year, or at least like serving as a backup big, then I'm okay if they hold on to him. Like You might as well keep the mystery box if you plan on opening the mystery box. But if they don't plan on doing that, or if they don't feel like they can, then you got to get rid of the mystery box while it's still there, while it's still a mystery. 
it would be a lot of fun to root for Bull Bull next season. Like, I just, I think it's just important to be realistic about where Denver is. What assets they have for a trade. Is he likely to be the counter for Anthony Davis as soon as next year? Probably not. Uh, Denver may need that guy as soon as next year. I think they can win a championship next year if they figure out that weakness. If they don't think Bull Bull can get there right now, maybe they got to find somebody who can if he's the difference between adding a game changer, given the fact that he only played seven bubble games, I think that would be a big win for Denver. And I know it's tough for a, a fan base that has grown accustomed to watching their young players grow, that has grown accustomed to watching those players thrive, uh, because this team hasn't made a lot of trades. And they haven't traded young pieces for the purpose of getting better. They've sold off pieces that they didn't think that they could keep. It would be a weird thing to buy on a guy that that isn't on this roster. The Nuggets haven't done it yet. I don't know if they will, but we're going to have to see. I'm interested in seeing where this Bull Bull thing lies because he has all of the talent. I just don't know if the Nuggets are going to get there. When we come back, going to talk about the logistics of the NBA season going forward. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we're back. Nuggets numbers. Ryan Blackburn here. Only one more segment. Uh, just decided, hey, I don't want to. I don't want to spend too much time this week on this on this particular podcast because I don't think that there's a, enough to talk about to realistically give a a one hour podcast or anything like that. Uh, but I do want to talk about the logistics of the NBA season because Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN was reporting that both sides of the NBA and the NBA Players Association are at an impasse for when the season is going to start. The owners want to start the season on December 22nd. The players want to start the season in mid-January because, as we really thought, December 22nd is a very quick turnaround. The players were just in the bubble. They they haven't really had an offseason because the COVID offseason doesn't really count. Like It's very different than just saying, hey, we know you're not going to play during this time, so relax and take a break. The players were on edge during COVID. They had no idea what was going on, and even though some of them didn't play basketball during that time, they weren't exactly chilling. Everybody was on edge. Everybody had no idea what was going on. Um, but apparently, the owners want this season to start because $500 million could be at stake. <coughs> some have speculated as to whether that number is real. I think that number is real. Uh, I think it comes from the TV contracts and the ability to get to 72 games, the ability to finish in time, the ability to play the Olympics in late July. 
while also finishing the season before then, while also giving players ample opportunity to rest up for the Olympics. Because it just, it everything is getting really condensed right now. It's hard to ask players to play a bunch of back-to-backs in order to get to that. But they need to get to 72 games. It's for the TV money. That isn't going to change. I think they're going to play 72, and the players know that. The players want that. They don't want to have their money cut down by $500 million, which would be split half and half with the owners. But still, that's a lot of money for everybody to just not have. So, Michelle Roberts, who leads the Players Association, have said that there's a large contingent of players who don't want the season to start on December 22nd. I'm a little bit skeptical of that report because I don't think that international players would want that. I think that they would want to get this thing started up so they could represent their teams in the Olympics. So that Because delaying the regular season would put that opportunity in jeopardy. Um, 72 games basically puts the regular season starting... On December 22nd, if you factor in a 10-day break, I've broken this down on Excel and and, and in calendar stuff. I have experience of of scheduling games, so like I I actually, this is something I actually do know about. Like the NBA Finals would likely finish in mid-July, and that's barring any potential incidents with COVID. Like if there were any outbreaks that forced teams to schedule or to cancel, if there were any any potential opportunities for uh, games to be shifted around and postponed and moved and, and rescheduled. and The latest things could go would be in mid-July. And I don't think that the players would want, if a, if a mid-January start were to, were to occur, there would have to be a bunch of extra back-to-backs. Three games in four nights. Three games in a row. Four games in five nights. Like, all of that is going to be pretty tough for the players to deal with. And I think that the 72 games matters for the money. Uh, it, you you want to keep that. Like, if it would be interesting if the TV networks were to agree with the players and agree with the NBA and they said, okay, hey, we don't need to play a full 72 games to give you guys your money. We're going to instead play 55 games, and you can start in mid-January. I don't think that's happening. Like, I think the players would love for that to happen. They'd love to play 55 games and still get the same amount of money for their contracts. I just don't think that that's possible. I don't think that there's anything that they can really do to change that. That's up to the TV networks, and they're going to want as many games, as many opportunities to show these games as possible. And... Cutting down on the number of games is most likely going to cut the ratings at least a little bit. So, I don't think that it's viable for a lesser game amount to happen. I don't think it's viable for a mid-January start to happen. I really do think that guys like Giannis and Luka and Jokic, they're going to want to finish before the Olympics. Tie all of those factors together, and it just seems like the NBA should start on December 22nd. And the players that aren't happy with that, they're just probably going to have to deal with it. And that's too bad, especially for those that were in the bubble for a long time. But it's tough. This situation is tough for everybody. And I don't think that 
going to those lengths is a real problem, especially if teams are willing to rest, if they're if they're if players are willing to rest. Like it should be okay. Let's talk about the ramifications for the Nuggets specifically, though, because starting the season just three months after the Nuggets were in the Western Conference Finals, after an emotional playoff run, it's at least a little tough. It's at least a, a, an interesting thing to think about from a, a roster construction standpoint, from a, a mental health standpoint, from how the Nuggets are going to coach, uh, how Michael Malone wants to approach this year. Uh does he really want to go for it? Does he really want to push this team very hard in order to try to get the best record that they possibly can? Uh, is there enough time to make sweeping changes to next season's rotation and feel good about the chemistry? As I said before, the Nuggets are a team that's been built all on continuity. They have MPJ and Bull Bull. They need that stability in order to develop in the best way possible in a Nuggets uniform. I think there's a real chance that the Nuggets could be the best team of the West next year if they push hard. But they may not be able to push hard because they pushed hard in the playoffs. And pushing hard in the regular season is usually a death sentence for teams that want to win. The Lakers were a rare exception, and they were probably a rare exception because LeBron James got three and a half months off during the middle of the year. Anthony Davis, too. We never know how things would have worked other than that, but I think there's a real possibility that the Nuggets this year, if there's a 72-game season, if things start on December, that they could be going with a a deep rotation that isn't really altered that much. They're not going to bring in a whole bunch of new faces to try to work things out. They're going to try and bring back the same cast of characters I don't subscribe to the belief that the Nuggets rotation can't be altered or or else the entire ship goes down. I don't, I don't believe that. Like, I think that these are professionals, that they they understand how this business goes. But, but it's also important to have your emotional leaders. You want them pointed in the same direction. That's really important. The Nuggets emotional leaders are Will Barton and Jamal Murray and Gary Harris has been there for a long time. And they know, like how this goes, and and there are your locker room leaders, there are your on-court leaders, there are the guys who help the rookies along, like, the roster and the, the locker room dynamic is something that's really difficult for people on the outside to judge, and if the Nuggets brought back every player that they could because they feared that the roster dynamic was something that they really needed and didn't want to lose, it makes sense. I don't know if I necessarily believe that that's the only way that they can win a title, but it's at least the way that they can keep the boat flowing and and a, a sh- like keep it afloat is what I'm trying to say. Excuse me. Are the Nuggets more or less likely to make a big trade this offseason? I think they're less likely. Are the Nuggets more or less likely to sell off Gary Harris or Will Barton in a salary dump. I think they're less likely, despite the fact that there are some potential financial concerns. The Nuggets want to keep this group together. They want to win a championship, and having a a purely salary-related move in order to get under the luxury tax, that would be a pretty bad 
that'd be a pretty bad sign from ownership that they actually want to compete. Are the Nuggets more or less likely to retain most or all of their free agents due to a quick turnaround? I think they're more likely. We talked about Paul Millsap before, Jeremy Grant, Torrey Craig, Mason Plumley. I'm not sure if all of those guys are going to be back, but it's possible that three of them are. Two of them are probably coming back. I wouldn't say it's likely that all of them come back, but I'd say most of them will. I'd say Paul Millsap probably comes back now. Mason Plumley maybe even comes back now. And obviously Jeremy Grant's coming back, so that would leave Torrey Craig on the out. But if they want to bring back Torrey Craig for wing depth, then maybe you say goodbye to Paul Millsap or Mason Plumley. But you never know, because you have Bull Bull in this factor, and you have Michael Porter Jr. assuming a larger role. So I don't think anybody fully knows what they need. Can only guess, can only speculate. Um, I will say that one problem still stands no matter what. And that's the fact that MPJ is going to be a starter. It's a problem because it's been a long time since Gary Harris or Will Barton were are having their roles drastically reduced. Most of the time, those guys have, have had the same role or they've had an increase in a role. An increase in, in willingness to rely on those, those certain players. For a long time, Gary Harris has been the starting shooting guard of this team. Will Barton's been either the sixth man or the starting small forward for like five years. Asking one of those guys to go to the bench for a second-year player is going to be a tough sell. Even if Michael Porter Jr. is as talented as he is, neither of those guys are going to want to be the bench player. They, they both deserve or feel they deserve, and they want to be looked at as the starter. They don't want to be looked at as the guy that... The Nuggets finally won their championship because Michael Porter Jr. came in and he replaced X. Transition of power rarely goes entirely smoothly. Speaking of which, make sure to vote on Tuesday. Um, And it's possible that either Harris or Barton might be unhappy about a second-year player taking their spots. And then Michael Malone choosing the other one of Harris or Barton over the other to start over that guy. Whether he starts Gary Harris and sits Will Barton or starts Will Barton and sits Gary Harris, I can't say with 100% certainty that that's going to go over well. I'm not reporting anything. I, I just kind of know how locker rooms work and how egos and desires can get in the way for what's best for a team. That's at least something to think about, and I would be surprised if it wasn't a problem. Um, those guys are good. And they deserve their spots. But Michael Porter Jr. is coming really quick. He could average 20 points per game as soon as next year, if just given 30 minutes a game. I think he's going to be given that. I think he deserves that, or at least will prove that he deserves that. And the Nuggets are going to be at their best when he's on the floor. So it's going to be interesting to see where they ultimately end up, what they decide, If they made a trade for Drew Holiday, then you probably don't have to make that decision. Uh, But you never know. And we'll we'll just have to see how things pan out. I don't want to make a prediction about it yet because I've I've thought about it for for both guys. I, I think it's possible that they could bring both back and maybe Will Barton slides to the bench. 
But Will Barton is the better player than Gary Harris right now, so does Gary Harris slide to the bench? I don't know. I don't know what they do. But we're going to cover it all. We're going to keep you up to date on all the news and notes. And as the draft rolls around, as free agency rolls around, and whenever the season starts, we will keep you informed. That's going to do it for this episode of Nuggets Numbers. Make sure to check out denverstiffs.com for all of your Nuggets news and draft-related content and everything in between. Uh, Have a good community over there that I've hopped into the comment section a lot more frequently lately, and I enjoy interacting with everybody, so keep that in mind. And I always love talking Nuggets with everybody. Um, Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, having a lot of fun doing this and want to continue doing it. So keep that in mind. Um, All right, that's going to do it for this episode, and I'll talk to you guys on Thursday. Thursday.